You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. The views and opinions expressed by Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening to you, one and all. I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. What a week, what a week it has been. I am so glad and happy to be back with you live this week. I hope you enjoyed uh, the rebroadcast that we had last week, I couldn't make it because I was in a meeting. Folks, let me tell you, I was in a meeting about our wonderful friend, Mama E, Vicky Gutierrez, joining the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. And let me tell you what, folks, she is there. That's right. Mama E is now in air. She is in the Association of Independent Readers and Root Workers. And if you are looking for a worker, I could not recommend a finer one to you 
why not stop by the air site and check her page out? That is why I was not here last week. I am here this week. And before we go off uh, into the news across the hall, where I am happy to report that our own Patchy Fog, that's right, Phil Fog, is back with us after his very, very minor surgery that he had and some time recouping with his uh, lovely wife here in Crum, Texas. He's back with us this evening, and we're happy to have him. But before we get to that, I have a few things that I want to talk to you very quickly about. The first is that I want to tell you that in the early morning hours of February 1st, just three days ago, there was a terrible fire in New Orleans at the Voodoo Spiritual Temple. Um, there, The fire there uh, was rather severe, and what the fire and the water from the fire department did not destroy uh, was destroyed when the ceiling and roof of uh, the Voodoo Spiritual Temple uh, collapsed. And so uh, those of you who uh, may know the Voodoo Spiritual Temple or may be friends of it there in New Orleans, I encourage you to please take a moment to at least, at least uh, send a kind word out uh, to Priestess uh, Miriam, who is there. There is also a GoFundMe. There is a GoFundMe. You'll have to look for it for yourself. I'm afraid I don't have the address in front of me, but you can find it on Facebook. Uh, there is a GoFundMe that's been set up to help put the Voodoo Spiritual Temple uh, in New Orleans back together to get it up and operating again. And uh, I just wanted to take a few moments to pass that on to you, uh, Priestess Miriam. Uh, who did live behind uh, the Voodoo Spiritual Temple is fine. She's all right, as well as the chickens and the snake. They all made it safe through the fire, but we just wanted to take a few moments to put that out and let you know that it's going on. So if you could just take a few moments, you know, even a dollar helps. And if you don't have a dollar, well, then a kind word, a kind word in troubled times also helps as well. And then also before we go over to our newsroom, I wanted to take a few moments to say that sad news came to us this very afternoon. I heard this right before uh, I was getting ready to go into the studio to go to the show. And we this afternoon lost Maurice White, uh, who was co-founder of Earth, Wind, and Fire, a very talented, very outspoken musician. And Maurice, uh, this is for you. I just want you to know that as far as I'm concerned, you were and always will be my shining star.
is 68. Actor Michael Bick is 67. Rock singer Tim Booth, 56. Actor Rob Corday is 45. And Olympic gold medal boxer Oscar De La Hoya is 43. We also wish to send birthday greetings to air members Miss McHale, whose birthday will be on the 9th, and Mama E, whose birthday is today. Happy birthday to you all. Our thought for the day comes to us from Edith Wharton, American author, born 1862, died 1937, who said, Habit is necessary. It is the habit of having habits, of turning a trail into a rut that must be increasingly fought against if one is to remain alive. This has been the news with Philip Fogg from the LMC Radio Newsroom. We now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the lucky numbers. Lucky number. Oh, dreaming of lucky numbers. Hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition. Or even make me suspicious. Table with 13 dishes. It will make me That's mommy, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay. Put my trust in you for dust. Cause you know someday may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's you in heaven. Lucky number for me. Yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not. Just trust in Goofer Dust or wait for that rainy day like the Nicholas Brothers because we have the lucky numbers and cards for you here each and every week. This week's lucky numbers, as always, come to us from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by and take a look? And they are 5, 9, 17, 37. 41 and 50. Once again, those numbers for this week are 5, 9, 17, 37, 41, and 50. This week's lucky three digit numbers are 175, that's 175, 294, that's 294, and 555. That's 555. And I must tell you that for the next seven days, 555 is particularly potent. So you might want to risk a little penny on it. The card of the week this week is the Six of Hearts. The Road of the Heart. New Love or Meetings. Unexpected Happiness. This is a week of joining and joy. A good week to pursue new love or start relationships. Tend to those you love this week and take the time to go out and do something fun with them. Remember, 
our week runs Thursday to Thursday. So check in with the Now You Know show to get the numbers and cards when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next, our own Miss Loretta Evans from the Quimby First, the Second, First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, with a delicious recipe. Hi, y'all. This is Miss Loretta Evans. I'm so happy to be back with you again this week. And this week, I have a quick and easy set it up and set it aside recipe for you. This is slow cooker upside down chicken pot pie. And I hope you and your family will enjoy it as much as I and mine do. For this recipe, you will need the following ingredients. One and one-fourth a pound of boneless, skinless chicken thighs. If you don't really like to use thighs, then you can go ahead and use white meat, skinless, and boneless breasts. One tablespoon instant chopped onions. One dried bay leaf. One-fourth a teaspoon of pepper. One 18-ounce jar of chicken gravy. Two medium celery stalks, cut into one-half-inch slices. Two one-and-a-half cups original Bisquick mix. Two-thirds a cup of milk and one bag, a 12-ounce bag, of your favorite frozen mixed vegetables. Now, to make this in your crock pot, what you will do is you will place the chicken in three and one, you put it in a three and one half, I got muddled, I'm sorry, you will place it in a three and one half to four quart slow cooker. Top with onion, bay leaf, pepper, and gravy, and place the celery on the gravy. Then cover and cook on low heat setting for eight to ten hours. About 30 minutes before you're ready to serve it, you make and bake eight biscuits using Bisquick mix and milk as directed. Meanwhile, gently stir the frozen vegetables into the chicken mixture. Increase the, the heat settings to high. Cover and cook for 15 minutes and remove the bay leaf. Then, for each serving, split a biscuit and place in a soup bowl or tart pan and spoon about three-fourths of a cup of the chicken mixture on top of the biscuit. That's it, and we hope you enjoy it. But I will tell you that this recipe was tested in slow cookers with heating elements in the side and bottom of the cooker, not in cookers that stand only on a heated base. So for slow cookers with just a heated base, follow your manufacturer's directions for layering ingredients and choosing a temperature. Well, that's all from me for this week. And until next week, bon appetit. (laughs) Bye-bye. Well, thank you, Miss Loretta. You know, it's always so much fun to have you here. And I got to tell you the truth, like always, that sounds pretty good. Uh, you know, uh, upside down chicken pot pie. Hmm. I guess I get that. The biscuits up. Okay, biscuits on the bottom. That does sound pretty good. I'd like that a whole lot. 
Well, folks, coming up next, the professor's pontification this week, for what it's worth. Something happening here But what it is ain't exactly clear There's a man with a gun over there Telling me I got to beware I think it's time we stop, children, watch that sound Everybody look what's going down Being wrong Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speak in their minds Are getting so much resistance From behind the time we stop Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going down Field day for the heat. A thousand people in the street singing songs and they're carrying signs. Mostly say hooray for our side. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's I do want to say one little thing about dirty-haired hippies. Uh, My hair is never dirty. Um, Not at all. That's because I have and will continue until the day I die to use mane and tail, much to my wife's chagrin, shock, and dismay. Hey, man, it works. Check it out. Mane and tail. If you can't find it in the grocery store, Go go over to the go over to the pet store. They got it right in the pet store. Seriously, 
Works like a charm. Works like a charm. Pontification is for what it's worth. And I'm going to touch a little bit on a topic that I have brought up before. But we're going to get a little deeper into it. This topic is going to be about spirituality and politics. Oh, no, he's going to talk about that again. Yep, he's going to talk about that again. This is where, if you don't want to hear what I have to say, you kind of tune it out. You know, this is a good time to go to the kitchen and get a sandwich, maybe with a nice pickle, you know, um, on the side. Before I I talked a little bit about the responsibility of politics, about how spiritual work and politics do go hand in hand. Today I'm going to talk about a slightly different take on it. What I want to talk with you this evening about is this. There are people who keep their spirituality in one box and their politics in another. They aren't. They don't go together. Last time I spoke to you about this, I talked to you about spiritual people who weren't political at all. They didn't feel that it was appropriate. Oh, dirty politics. No, no, no. I don't want to get near that. And I talked about the foolishness of that. Now we've got a different case. I was talking to a very good friend of mine this week. You all know and love her. I'm talking about Beverly Smith, who hosts the fantastic and wonderful In the Streets program here on the LMC radio network each and every week. And she and I were talking about this. We were talking about how we keep encountering all these people who have spirituality in one box, politics in another box, and the twain shall not ever meet. And it got me thinking about this. I kind of went over it in my head, around and around and around, the hamster in the wheel, the tiny little puffs of smoke coming out of my ears. I cannot think of anything involving these topics that seems more foolish and dangerous to me. I keep my spirituality in one box, and I keep my politics in another box. Those two things don't meet. They don't meet? They don't meet? How, do they, how does that work? How does that work? If you, as an example, are a spiritual practitioner, and you are gay or lesbian, and that's a part of your spirituality, it's part of your spirituality. It's part of the work you do. It's part of how you help other people. It's part of how you help yourself. But then they that doesn't bleed over. That has nothing to do with your politics. Your politics are somehow different. What? You'll do spiritual work to help gay and lesbian people and help yourself, but you won't go and vote about it. Or the converse. Let's think of the converse. Oh, I'll vote about it. But I won't do spiritual work about it. Huh? What the hell is that? You, 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 so, so let me get this straight. You'll go and vote. You'll go to rallies in the street, carrying signs. You'll do all that. You'll 
get out there to help somebody. You'll do all this. You'll try to educate people. You'll try to educate yourself. But when it comes to spirituality, I won't touch it. I, oh, no, 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 no. How does that work? How does it work that an uh, issue like injustice never creeps near one of the other? I'm not saying that there are people who do not do spiritual work about injustice or do not have politics that involve injustice. I'm talking about these people who keep them separate. They keep them separate, see? What does that mean, you keep them separate? You Again, you do spiritual work about injustice, but you won't vote on injustice. You won't engage in politics to combat injustice, whatever it is. How do you manage to do this? First of all, what kind of a ragged, jagged, tumbling, piecemeal, tatermillion scarecrow are you that you have all these little boxes that don't influence each other? All these hard-edged walls to keep containment, 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 so that one issue doesn't go to the next one. Let me give you two cents from the professor's mind on this. I have the sensation that if that is your stance, I have a sensation of doubting one or the other or both of those boxes in your world. When you look at me in the face and you say, my spirituality and my politics, never the twain shall meet, what I'm thinking in my head is, huh, I wonder which of those is bullshit. Your spirituality, your politics, or maybe both. How can you keep all that separated in your head? And why would you keep all that separated in your head? Why would you ever keep it separated in your head? Well, I've heard a variety of excuses. I've heard politics don't work. Politics is just a game. It's a no-sum game, and it just doesn't work. Okay. Politics is just a no-sum game, and it doesn't work. Huh. Let me just clue you in on something. Let me just clue you in on something. Not voting, not participating, Having this cynical, callow, above-it-all attitude in no way makes you revolutionary. It makes you a non-participant. You're not revolutionary for not participating. You're not striking a blow for something by not participating. You're a null goddamn sum. Every time I meet somebody... And they want to bitch about politics, or they want to bitch about the state of affairs, the infrastructure, bridges of fault. They want to bitch about whatever is going on in the outer world here, in the hinterland, here in, here in the world we live in. And I know that they do not vote. I'm not talking about they don't protest. I'm not talking about they're not a part of a political action committee. No, they just don't vote. I have a little ability in my head 
kind of like a radar tuner that allows me to find the frequency of their voice and drown it out. I could give a damn what they think. I don't care. You know, I just sit there going, in my head, in my damn head, until they stop talking. Why? Because who gives a shit? What are you doing? You don't even fucking vote. You don't even vote. You're not some active revolutionary. You're not Trotsky hammering her way at a fucking typewriter in Mexico City waiting to get an ice pick to the back of the head. You're not, you're not, you know, you're not the founding fathers trying to do anything. You're not people in chains trying to cast off their bondage. You're not out there doing anything. You're not trying to change anything. You're sitting in your cynical, dank, dark little hole, bitching. Bitching. That's what you're doing. Yes, but our votes don't count. Okay, what do you mean by our votes don't count? Do you mean that there is collusion involved in the voting process? That there's shady dealings going on? That we need to be more actively involved? That we need more transparency involved in the voting process? That the entire system of how oh, uh, the votes for the caucuses are determined, that the preliminary races, that all of that needs readjustment. I'm with you. I'm with you to the nth degree. Yes. Yes, we need all of that. We need all of that. We need more transparency. We need a higher ethic. We need more people looking in. We need reform, reform, reform in our system. But that doesn't mean our votes don't count. If our votes didn't count, no one would give a shit. You see, my dear friends, I am old enough to remember quite a number of Polish elections. Polish elections. I remember quite a few of them. And nobody cared. Because we all knew, and everybody in Poland knew, how the vote was going to turn out. Put in another election if you would like. You can instead say uh, Czechoslovakian elections, uh, Honduran elections. I've lived through a lot of these, folks, and and, and nobody cared. No, nobody cared. You know why? Because El Presidente was always going to be El Presidente. Okay? That's the way it was going to work. Okay? There were no protests. There was no people spending millions of dollars and billions of dollars to try and sway your vote. There was no uh, uh, caucuses trying to be controlled by outside groups. No, 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 because everyone knew that the wonderful leader was going to continue to be the wonderful leader. So to some extent, our votes must count. Otherwise, there wouldn't be this big hullabaloo about our goddamn votes. Now would there? This is the point in time where some cynic stands up and says, It's all theater. You're being deluded. That's all bullshit. It's all smoke and mirrors to make you think your vote 
still matters. <laughs> Bread and circus is my foolish friend. This is the only response I got to that. If you honestly believe that, if you honestly believe it's all smoke and mirrors, it's all theater, it is all bread and circuses, the system is absolutely corrupt at every level, every component of it, every individual involved in it. It is the world's largest conspiracy. Then you need to do one of a few things. A, get the hell out. Seriously, flee. If you have this knowledge, why would you ever stay? B, shut the fuck up. Are you kidding me? My God, this is the world's largest conspiracy. Do you want, How long are you going to stay alive? Listen, once again, Trotsky, Ice Pick, Mexico City. Shh, stum, stum. Don't be saying that shit around me. My God, you're targeting us. Three or C, there are still soda pops and colas sold in this country in glass bottles. And we are a car-centric nation. You can buy gasoline on almost every street corner of America. That and a few torn rags will make an excellent response for you because you honestly believe that it's fucked. Like it's over. You are absolutely this is it's it's done. Okay, so in other words, either get the fuck out, shut the fuck up, or burn, baby, burn. I mean, do something, all right? But you walking around with your cynical-ass attitude that you're in the know, and the rest of us, one of my least favorite words in the world, are sheeple, I really hate that word, is just a bullshit intellectual empowerment game you're playing. Let me also tell you who I primarily see playing that game. I primarily see playing that bullshit game better off than average or softly mm, doing okay. They're doing okay. Doing okay. Males. That's pretty much who I see doing that. White guys who have got money in the bank. White guys who have got money in the bank who sit around and talk about the futility of everything and how it's all bullshit and uh, and they're so fucking enlightened and they're so goddamn wise and they're so goddamn intelligent and the rest of us, <laughs> you sheep, you sheep. Okay. Huh. I'm thinking of two words. Those of you who know me well and who have listened to the show on countless occasions probably know what those two words are. Here's what they are. Fuck you. you. Are you kidding me? You sit in your ivory tower with that attitude? This is worse than academics off in their tower being removed. At least they're doing something as academics. See, the problem with all... What does this guy do with who do? Hi. Back again. What are you eating today? Can I see it? That's... A moon pie. Where'd you get a moon pie from? We don't sell them in... Okay. All right. Sit over there and eat your moon pie. Well, kid, what... Can I ever get through one of these without you popping in? I don't know. Uh, okay. All right. What is it... What it has to do with hoodoo, sweetheart, is this. Hoodoo is 
deeply related to the struggle of the people. Okay? Deeply related to the struggle of the people and to struggling people. Okay? Hoodoo does not come out of a place of affluence. Hoodoo does not come out of a place where everybody's free, everybody's equal, and everybody's got it easy. Okay? It does come out of a place where the cotton is high and the fish are jumping, and that ain't all that great. If you are involved in hoodoo, I'll go further. If you are involved in any of the traditional spiritual practices that come from oppressed peoples and you have the unmitigated huevos, the balls, the steel bells to say that you keep your spirituality in one box and your politics in another box then I'm sorry, I am just enough of an arrogant son of a bitch to say that you're not doing it very well. You're not doing hoodoo very well. What you're doing is not exactly hoodoo. What you're doing is not exactly Palo or Santeria, etc. You're you're not you're not doing that. You're doing something else. And if you don't care about that, then why are you doing it? To make a quick buck? Well, okay, fair enough. In America, everyone's entitled to try to make their quick buck. All right. But you're missing something. Spirituality and politics go together. Why? Because what you feel about politics should be coming from within you. It should be guided by your brain and by your spirit. Together. This is a part of your life. This is as if you said, I keep my spiritual practice and my dietary practices in two separate boxes. I keep my lifestyle and my spiritual practice in two separate boxes. I keep my art and my spiritual practice in two separate boxes. I keep my emotions and my spiritual practice in two different boxes. I keep my intellect and my spiritual practice in two different boxes. See, it, it doesn't work when you start changing it up. The little scales doesn't work. Let me give you an example of something else that doesn't look like this, that doesn't work like this. I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. I don't know much about art, but I know what I like. We only accept that sentence when the word art is in it. If you take the word art out of it, because, oh, we've got all these attitudes and opinions about art – if you take the word art and you put a different word in, it sounds like what it is. Nonsense. I don't know much about crustaceans, but I know what I like. I'm sorry, what? No much about sex, but I know what I like. 
Oh, oh, well, I, I, okay. Uh, good luck for you, and I'm so sorry for your partner. I don't know much about steaks, but I know what I like. I don't know much about aerodynamics, but I know what I like. See, it doesn't work. When you take the word art out and you put another word in, you start sounding like an idiot. And it's the same thing. I keep my politics and my spiritual practice in two different boxes. Oh, okay. We'll take the word politics out and put another word in, and it starts to sound weird. Okay? I keep my colas and my spiritual practice in two different boxes. I, 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 keep, I keep my laundry and my spiritual practice in two different boxes. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. Okay, well maybe spiritual maybe politics isn't the problem. Let's try it the other way. I I keep my politics and my lunch in two separate boxes. I keep my politics and my sex in two different boxes. I keep my politics and my intellect in two different boxes. I keep my politics and my feelings in two different boxes. That doesn't work either. Politics isn't supposed to be this thing without feeling, this thing without thought, this thing without expression, this thing without participation. Participation. Now I'm going to say something that may piss some people off. Or people may think that I am naive, which would be interesting because people haven't thought I was naive in like decades upon decades upon decades. Like like when I was 10, my mom didn't even think I was naive. I mean, you know, it just it's, naive is not something that goes with me normally. But let me try this out for you. As an American, you enjoy more privileges and more freedoms than almost anyone else in the world. I believe this is a truth. I also believe that because of that, in general, as Americans, we are lazy, stupid, and jaded. We just don't give a shit. Lazy, stupid, and jaded. All of us? No. Many of us, yes, because we have those privileges. See, if you ever look out at the protests and you say, well, my, isn't it strange that most of the protests are people of color, people of a different sexual orientation, people of, of, of a young age, women, etc., etc., etc. That's weird. Why do all those people always seem to be the ones to make trouble because they're the ones that've got trouble son of a bitch they're the ones that have got trouble that's the reason they're involved what did i say earlier the only people i see gay engaging in that kind of intellectually smug cynicism are primarily white male people with money in the bank see when you have your freedom, and you have your privilege. Sometimes you stop looking around to see 
what the fuck's going on? You don't care. That's not exclusive. There are people of every group that get confused or hornswoggled or have their head up their ass for some reason. There, there, there are Hispanics and Latinos who support Donald Trump. That would be one example after he gets up and says what he says. And I'm not talking about they did support him, and then he said that, and then they went, oh, oh, oh no, we're out. No, I mean after. There, there, are, there are young gay Republicans. Why? But there are. But in general, those people are the, the, the – they're, they're not the norm. Okay, they're the contradiction. In general, the people that are involved trying to make change and trying to utilize the system are the people that need to utilize the goddamn system. (coughs) Well, now you could say, okay, well, that's not me. So I can keep my spirituality and my politics in two separate boxes, right? And the answer is yes. No, flat out, the answer is yes. That's correct. You can. If you live on a fucking island, if you are by yourself, if that's all you care about, if that's the extent of your vision, sure, be my guest. But again, as the kid says, what has that got to do with hoodoo? I'm not here every week to try to talk about every spiritual path in the goddamn universe. I'm here every week to talk about hoodoo. And what does this have to do with hoodoo? Every damn thing. This has everything to do with hoodoo. Who are you working for? Who are you putting things out for? Who are you intersecting with? What are you becoming? What are you making? What are you carrying on if you're not involved to some degree in having a mixture of your spirituality and your pro- and your and your, your spirituality and your politics and you're a hoodoo practitioner. That's what you stand up and call yourself. Then once again, I must question either the quality of your hoodoo or the quality of your products your politics excuse me quality of your politics one of those two i'm either going to question the quality of your hoodoo or the quality of your politics i may question them both it is presumptive arrogant callous, callow, close-minded, and naive for you to go in and practice hoodoo and not be concerned or try to keep separate the politics that affect hoodoo and affect the people that hoodoo came from that are involved in hoodoo, that are doing hoodoo, and that are participating in hoodoo. That's all it is. Callous, naive, and intentionally ignorant kind of thought. And I'm going to go one step further because, you know, bridges burning up pretty good right now. 
let's throw some gas on it. Being able to sit back and say, I keep my spirituality and my politics in two separate boxes, two separate places, the twain doesn't meet, is a sign of a certain level, depending on your politics, depending on your politics and depending on your spiritual practice, it is indicative of a certain kind of appropriation, an appropriationist attitude on your part. You clearly have the benefit of doing that. Isn't that special? Isn't that nice? Well, you can go ahead and keep doing that as long as you want. I'm not the police. I'm not the hoodoo police. I'm not here to, I can't make you stop. But I'll tell you this, that all falls down. Things are always altering. Someday establishment fall down and go boom. And you are either with the people, which is where you're supposed to be as a spiritual practitioner. You're supposed to be offering solace and balm and aid to the people. Or you're not with the people. So just remember one thing. When you want to separate everything up in nice, clean little boxes and not be involved, well, then you're not involved all the way, baby, no matter what comes, no matter what changes. And I got news for you. The times, they are a change. Come gather around people wherever you roam And admit that the waters around you have grown And accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone If your time to you is worth saving Then you better start swimming or you'll sink like a stone For the times they are changing Some writers and critics who prophesize with your pen your eyes wide, the chance won't come again, and don't speak too soon, for the wheel's still in spin, and there's no telling who that it's naming, for the loser now will be later to win, for the times they are a-changing. Senators, congressmen, please heed the call Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled The battle outside region Will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls For the times they are a-changing Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command 
Your old road is rapidly aging. Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand. For the times they are changing. The curse it is cast The slow one now Will later be fast As the present now Will later be past The order is rapidly fading And the first one now Will later be last For the times They are a-changing Oh, yes, that was, of course, Bob Dylan with The Times, They Are A-Changing. And our Name It and Claim It winner of that one is our own chief engineer here at the LMC Radio Network, the one, the only, the sinister, the dark, the, the, nah, he's not any of those things. He's actually a great guy. The one and only troll towelhead so he gets the cookie on that one congratulations and you know that's a very important song if you haven't heard it before i don't know why but if you haven't heard it before go out and listen to it again because you know bob dylan in that song he's just trying to do what we are all trying to do here at the lmc radio network just trying to send out a signal what's that signal Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the vanguard! Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour, hosted by Catherine Ironwood and Kanjaman Ali, Sundays 3 to 4.30. Candelo's Corner, starring Candelo Cambisa, Mondays 5 to 7. The Crystal Silence League Hour, hosted by John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand, Wednesdays 5 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, at 3 hours for Eastern. Sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. And online at luckymojo.com. Um, hello folks, this is, uh, Patchy Fogg here. Apparently, uh... Apparently, according to this text that I just got on my cell phone, uh, Count Goulash is currently stranded with a flat tire on I-35. So I just wanted to take a few moments to come in here and talk to you folks about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company, 32 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Partners, 
did you know that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? It's true. They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils, incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. For those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witchcraft traditions. Who am I talking about? I'm talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Hey, y'all, why not go out there and visit them? Bring your kids. They would love to see the train set. I've seen pictures of it, and it's just so beautifully detailed and wonderful. You can see all the time and love that's gone into it. And your little ones will love to watch that old train just go around and around. They've even got a beautiful circus train on that one right there. And then, folks, when you're done, why not go and take a few moments of private meditation and prayer in the world's smallest church. That's the Missionary Independent Spiritual Church right there on the grounds of Lucky Mojo. And when you're done, go on into the shop and look around through the aisles at thousands of items from all around the world. They're just beautiful. But you know, friends, if you can't get there in person, it's no reason to be upset because they're online. That's right, at luckymojo.com. You can just go on over there in the privacy of your own home and look through page after page after page of fabulous, handmade, authentic products. Once again, my dear friends, that's the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Tell them Patchy said, Jim. All right. Well, that. thank you. Thank you, Phil Patchy Fogg, for that. That's the first time here, folks, that uh, <coughs> that uh, Patchy had to stand in like that for that, and uh, he did a great job. But that's a yeah, that's a veteran radio personality there. Okay, guys. Seriously, this guy's got decades of experience. Consummate professional. Up next, a little segment I like to call. That's right, the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. This week, we're going to be talking about biblical prostitutes. Don't think for a minute, don't think for a minute that when I see full of people, 20-plus people piled into the chat room tonight, don't think I don't. I know. I know. Y'all saw the ad. Y'all saw the promos. Y'all said biblical prostitutes, and boom. You were over here. Now, I know who you are. I know who you are. I'm looking at you. I'm I'm talking about you. I won't mention any names, Candelo. I won't mention any names, okay? But I know. I, I, I know. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about all of them, all those prostitutes, all those harlots, all of them. So I, I, I just a, a, a very a, – a lineup of, 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 of Lucretia McEvil's 
Oh, yes, and that was, of course, Blood, Sweat, and Tears with Lucretia McEvil. I'm afraid we can only give out a half a cookie on our name it and claim it. Our half a cookie goes to Troll Towelhead, who correctly identified the group. That is right. He got blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, well, better luck next time. Welcome to the Secrets of Scriptural Sorcery. This week, I'm going to be talking about prostitutes in the Bible. That's right, biblical prostitutes. There are quite a number of them. Oh, yes, there are. And they're not all what you think. Let me just start off by saying that I am not going to be discussing Mary Magdalene tonight. Not going to do it. Not going to talk about her. Not going to talk about her because although certainly she does appear in hoodoo, particularly hoodoo that originated in the Latin Quarter, New Orleans, etc., and all other places Catholic, I'm going to talk more about the figures appearing in the Old Testament. I'm an Old Testament worker. Some of you know what that's code for. And I'm going to, if you don't, ask Miss Cap. And so I'm going to be talking primarily tonight about the harlots and prostitutes that appear in the Old Testament and a few of the ways they show up in hoodoo. Now, we've had a big change in the church in my lifetime here in the South. The church of today is not the church of my youth and certainly not the church of my parents and my grandparents and their generations, I should say. It has changed vastly. There have always been church-going folk who had their noses very high in their air and their hands very close to their pearls, who had a kind of smug, hypocritical, self-righteous attitude. But they weren't always behind the damn pulpit. And nowadays we have a whole lot more of that than before. So when you come up to a topic like this, there are a lot of people that get, oh, uh, Twitter-pated about it. They have a little conniption. Oh, no, we're not, the prostitution's evil, and they're, they're all terrible, and they all burnt in hell. All right. Let me stop that for a moment and point out one fact to you that you might be interested in. According to the New Testament, according to the New Testament, you can go and check. Okay? You can go and check. In the great and illustrious ancestry of Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ himself, are two, count them, two well-known prostitutes. That's right. That's right. Jesus Christ's great, 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 great grandma and great, 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 great grandma were both hoes. There it is. There it is. There it is. 
They both appear in the Old Testament. New Testament confirms that they are ancestors of Jesus Christ. Deal with that for a while. While you're doing that, I'll go on. Catch up with me when you're ready. Of these two prostitute ancestors of Jesus Christ, the first is Tamar. Tamar appears in Genesis, primarily Genesis 38, 11 through 26. Who's Tamar? Tamar was twice, twice the daughter-in-law of Judah, as well as the mother of Judah's twin sons. Wait a minute. Did you just say that Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law twice and the mother of his twin boys? Yes, I did. How the hell did that happen? I'll tell you. Tamar was first married E.R., Er. And Er engaged in great wickedness, wicked dude, and God killed him. So, Tamar was made a widow. Judah went to his second son, Onan, and encouraged Onan to marry, to become the husband of Tamar, and to have children with her so that their family line would not die out. Well, Onan married Tamar, had no problem with that, but he didn't want to have children with her. So he engaged in the sin of Onanism, which most people then take to be, oh, and by the way, for that, God killed him. And so people take that to mean masturbation. People say, oh, when you masturbate, you're engaging in the sin of Onan, and, and you're going you're gonna to grow hair on your palms and, and go blind, and you're going to die. God will kill you. God will kill you. Except that's not what Onan did. Next group comes in and says, it is because he spilled the seed. Whenever you ejaculate and you don't ejaculate inside a woman for repuses, you've sinned. You've committed the sin of Onan, and you'll probably grow hair someplace and lose one of your senses, and God will kill you. Except that's not correct either. The reason it was wrong for Onan to spill his seed rather than spill it uh, inside Tamar is because he was intentionally trying to not get her pregnant. He did not want to have children with her. He did not want to continue his family line. He wanted all the benefit and none of the responsibility. See, he wanted to have the wife, wanted to have the wife, wanted to have everything that came with that, all the great benefit, oh, it's all cool, but I'm not going to have kids with her. He tried to trick his way out of it. 
He tried to lie to his father, and he tried to lie to God. Okay, so now he gets zapped. Boom, Onan's gone. At this point, Judah pretty much straight up considers Tamar to be cursed. You're cursed. Oh, my God, I have these sons, and every time my son goes to sleep with you, he ends up dead. Except that's not why they ended up dead. Tamar asked her due, which was to be able to marry the next son in line. That son had not yet come of age. And Tamar said she was willing to wait until he became a man and came of age and then marry him. Judah put her off. Judah tricked her. Judah lied to her. He said, yeah, oh, absolutely. You, you bet. Yeah, the minute the kid's old enough, we're totally doing it. Uh, you know, the whole the, – in the vineyard and the hoopah and the, the – you, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and the bridesmaids dance, we're totally doing that. Absolutely. Just hang out here and continue to be in my house and of use to my house. And, uh, yeah, I'll, absolutely, I'll let you marry my youngest son when he comes of age. Except he didn't mean it. He was lying to her. He had no intention of letting her marry. His youngest son came of age and no marriage. Now, around this time, Judah's wife died, and he became a widower. And he was traveling to go someplace. Basically, about it had to do with tending of uh, herds. And Tamar found out that he was going to go to this place. So she disguised herself as a prostitute. And she veiled herself, and she went to get ahead of Judah to intercept him and met with him, disguised and veiled as a prostitute. He became enamored of her, and uh, how do we want to say this? He wished to purchase her wares, okay? He wished to purchase her wares. She agreed, asking the – Judah had no goat with him. He was traveling. He said, "Oh, baby, I got no goat, but uh, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm worth it. I'm Judah. You know me, Judah. Haven't you seen me around? I'm Judah. I'm, I'm man. I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy. I'm a big guy. I'm totally, I'm totally good for a goat. I've got hundreds of them." Tamar, in her disguise, basically said that was all in good and fine if he would leave her a token of security, if he would give her something that she could redeem for the goat. And he said, sure, what, are, what, do you want, what do you want? She asked for his staff, his seal, and his cord. And so enamored of her, in her lovely disguise, veiled, scented, perfumed, alluring as she was, Judith, right on the spot, said, absolutely, baby. Here's my staff, my seal, and my cord. I'll send you the goat. You redeem them for the goat. It's all good. Let's get to it. And they had sex. Judah went on about his way. Tamar snuck back home. Later, Judah got back home, got a goat, got some guys, and said, uh, Boys, uh, take the goat out there and find that there uh, prostitute. She's real pretty. She's real pretty. And pay her the goat. And get me back the staff seal and cord. They take the goat out. No prostitute to be found. They search high. They search low. 
They search under rocks. They search in trees, behind waterfalls, the whole nine yards. No prostitute. Okay? Uh-oh. Staff, seal, and cord are gone. All the tokens and symbols of his power are gone. little while later, Tamar, obviously with child. Everybody in the family comes to him and says, she's pregnant. She's pregnant. How could she be pregnant? She has no she has no husband. She's pregnant. Nobody ever stops to say, oh, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. No, flat out. She's been prostituting herself. Judah, being a hypocritical old fart, says, I won't stand for it. I won't have it in this family. And orders her to be burnt as a prostitute. Seriously. Seriously. This hypocritical old dude says, right, we're going to burn her alive because she's a prostitute. We're not going to have that. What does Tamar do? Tamar quite cleverly sends Judah's staff, seal, and cord to him with a little note. And the little note identifies who the father of her child, turns out it's twins, children, is. When Judah has his staff, his seal, and his cord returned to him, which, by the way, is the returning of his power, the returning of his articles of power, and seeing the note identifying himself as the father of Tamar's children, he has her freed immediately. In fact, he marries her. And she gives birth to the twins. One of those twins... Perez, they were both boys, Perez is directly an ancestor of Jesus Christ. His other brother is different, took a different path in the family. Now, what does the, if the kid were here, he'd be saying, what does this have to do with hoodoo? Well, what it has to do with hoodoo is that Tamar has been and can be used in a number of ways. She can be used for women who have been placed in, in who have been put into places of scorn, women who have been denied things that they have been promised, she can be invoked, called upon, prayed to, have a candle lit to her to bring those scorned women what is their due. She can be used to get fathers, deadbeat dads, to pay their child support. I kid you not. How? Oh, that made no sense to me. Why would why deadbeat dad got anything to Ah, because, you see, Judah was the father. She held his power. All right? She held his power. So she can be used to get deadbeat dads to pay up for their kids. She can also be used when one is being placed under accusations that are unfair. You know, like, again, we talk about we have all these people in the church, and they like to say all this stuff, and sometimes they kind of get a little posse together, and they decide they're going to drive somebody out of the church or the community or the town, kind of a Harper PTA kind of situation. And you can invoke Tamar against those people because, again, she was promised something, and she did not get it. She took the power into her own hands. Those are just a few of the ways Tamar can use. Uh, 
But she's not the only one. Then we have Rahab, or as she's called down here in the south, Rahab. And Rahab lived in the city of Jericho. Rahab was, well, how do we want to put this? Rahab was the original hooker with a heart of gold. Okay? She dwelt in the city of Jericho where she was a prostitute or possibly a madam. And at the time when the Hebrew people had surrounded Jericho and were planning to invade it, before the walls came tumbling down, their first plan was that they were going to try to actually militarily invade it. We're going to try to get through the gates and, you know, good old-fashioned war. And Joshua, who was leader of the Hebrews at that time, sent in two spies, sent these two guys in. And he said, go in and scout the place out, you know, find out when they change the watches, find out when the gates go up and, you know, open and close, find out where the town square is, you know, all that kind of information we need to know. Unfortunately, these two cats got found out that they were in town spying around, and the city guards immediately launched a massive search for them with the intention, as you might expect, of finding them and executing them. They came upon Rahab, and Rahab hid them in her house. She hid them under, there are a number of interpretations. Some say that the way that we're supposed to interpret this is that she was drying flax. You know, you harvest flax, and that she had this flax up on her ceiling of her house, which, by the way, her house was against the walls. So her house was part of the walls of Jericho. And she was drying flax up there, and she hid the two spies under the flax. Others, other biblical scholars, have suggested that it was mats that she hid them under. And why does she have all these sleeping mats? Why does she have all these sleeping mats on her ceiling and in her house? Well, because she's running a house of ill repute. It's a whorehouse. Long story short, the guards burst in. Where are the two guys? Rahab flutters her, no doubt, beautiful lashes. In fact, named as one of the four most beautiful women in the world. And says, oh, heavens to Betsy, I have no idea what you're talking about, you big, strong, brave, muscly, sweaty guards. You're so, oh, I, I don't know anything. Who? Who are you searching for? Are you, you're searching for men? Are you sure it's men you want? And the guards kind of go, well, uh, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> well, gosh, are you? <laughs> and the other guy says, Bob, we're still on duty. And he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we'll come back later. We'll come back later. And they leave. Thus, the two Hebrew spies are not found. She brings them out from under the flax or under the sleeping mats. And they ask her, why is it that you have helped us? And she tells them, I help you because I have heard the stories. People come, this is a big town, Jericho. It's you know, one of the centers of civilization around here. People come in here from all over. And I have heard the stories of the power and majesty of your God. I have heard about how you were liberated from Egypt. Heard about these ten plagues. Heard about a pillar of fire. Something about a, a, a sea being split heard about this this fiery mountain at, that you were given laws to conduct yourself that that people are 
are judged amongst the whole rather than there's some little king, you know, all this great stuff I've heard, how you've been wandering and you've had you fought these people and fought those people and all of this, you know, and that's for me. I I want to be of you. I want to follow your God and I want to be of you. So the guards say to her, great, listen, we're going to sneak over the wall because it's easy to. The wall's right here. Okay, we're going to sneak over the wall, and when we come back in, when we in the army come back in to this town, hang a red cord out of your window to mark your house. And we will pass this sign that we have given you on to Joshua. He will tell all the soldiers, and when we see the red cord out of your window – We will spare that house. We will spare you. This has a number of interesting things to it. A, it is in reflection of the fact that the Hebrews marked the door lentils with blood. They dipped hyssop in blood. We've talked about this before. So that the angel of death would not come near their houses. So it would pass over their houses. That's the first thing. Second of all, a number of noted scholars believe that the red cord being placed in or out of the window of Tamar's house of ill repute is where eventually the red lamp being placed in the window to show that a house was a house of prostitution came from, which then, of course, as we all know, eventually became where we got the phrase red light district. When you talk about the sex industry part of town, where there are prostitutes and brothels and sex clubs and exotic dancers and all, you know, porn shops and all that, it's called the red light district. It's called a red light district because in the old days they used to put a red lamp or have a red piece of glass with a light behind it in the window of a brothel, and that came from the red cord hanging out of Rahab's window. They bring her out after the fall of Jericho safely. They take her to meet Joshua, who some have suggested she married. It's a little bit of debate about it, but it may be that she indeed married Joshua, no less. And she becomes a Hebrew. She becomes one of them. And she lives with them, she marries, she has children. So this harlot, this prostitute, this hoe, becomes a paragon of virtue. And in fact, she is directly in the line of descent of Jesus Christ and King David. King David's great-great-grandma was a hoe. Interestingly enough, Jewish tradition states that Jewish tradition states that those who mention or utter Rahab's name, okay, immediately lust after her. Because of this, in Hoodoo, her name is used in works designed to instill lust. So when you have a piece of work you want to do and you're trying to evoke or instill lust in others, 
you can use Rahab's name, particularly if you're a woman trying to instill lust in a man. She is also used, her name is also used, along with the good old-fashioned, well-known spiritual bath of hyssop. Now, we all, you may have, we mentioned it on the show, and you may remember that one uses a hyss, uh, hyssop bath, along with psalms, to help uh, purify one from sin. In this case, Rahab's name is used along with the hyssop bath to help purify working girls, that's prostitutes, and those doing dominating lust work of their sin. So there's two. But wait, there's a third, the biggie. This one is uh, the success story, if you will, of biblical hoes. A figure that in the Bible is not at all positive. We've talked about two positive figures, Rahab or Rahab and Tamar. Both women seen as in the end being just and righteous, even though they either were prostitutes or in Tamar's case, engaged in prostitution. This is not such a nice figure. This is Jezebel. Jezebel. Oh, Jezebel, the Phoenician princess, wife of Ahab, king of northern Israel, treacherous, promiscuous, controlling, wicked, evil Jezebel, whose name has become synonymous with that sort of behavior. Jezebel inflamed her husband to abandon the worship of God and instead worship the Phoenician deities, including Baal. She persecuted and killed the prophets, the, the, uh, the, the Israelite prophets, and a lot of other terrible stuff. And for these offenses, Jezebel kind of ended up very badly. In fact, she was thrown by a member of her own court from her window to the street below, and her corpse was consumed by stray dogs. There's something else you should know about Jezebel, though. Jezebel, we think of now, you might think of the Betty Davis movie, Jezebel. There are many things, but what you might not be aware of is that the name Jezebel became a slander against African-American and African women. It This thing, this slander that was used, suggested that black women have a greater sexual appetite and are naturally more promiscuous than white women. And this argument was used by white slave owners to justify the rape and forced breeding of their black female slaves. So keep that in mind for a minute. Also, later in the 19th century, the term a painted Jezebel became a slanderous term used against prostitutes and loosed women. And that about that time, about that time, something interesting happened. Here's the success story of Jezebel. Women, at first, often prostitutes, working girls, etc., began to actively reclaim with pride the name Jezebel. And in the 
latter part of the 19th century and throughout the 20th century, she kind of had this success. All right? She kind of became redeemed. Because of this, you will find in Hoodoo numerous products named after Jezebel. And sex workers, controlling women, women who just want to sway over a husband that may be acting up, will use these products, bath crystals, uh, sachet powders, uh, incense, oil with candles on both uh, a penis candle or a vagina candle, and she is invoked, she is called upon, and she has been reclaimed. Sex workers will dust their sole, the insoles of their shoes, to draw clients to follow them, like follow me boy, only using Jezebel's power. And then also, let us not forget, which we have talked about on the show, the Jezebel root and the famous curse of Jezebel, where one holds the root in one's hand all day, focused on a curse. So these are a few of the examples of the prostitutes in the Bible. There are others. There are many others. And you might be surprised by their stories. So I would suggest that this week you spend a little time looking at the figure of the prostitute in the Bible and considering the snow job that has happened about the attitudes of, about prostitutes and the supposedly clear and hard line on prostitutes. I think if you do your research and you do your reading, you will find that that line is quite gray, more than a little murky, and quite flexible. Don't buy into a bill of goods about these things. Our information for the secrets of scriptural sorcery come to us each and every week, not only from our own knowledge, but also from Hoodoo Bible Magic, uh, a book by my dear friend, Miss McHale, and myself. And we thank her for its inclusion in the show each and every week. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen, and we're going to be talking about mint. That's right, mint. Don't get it twisted. Not peppermint. Peppermint Twist is me. 
come on, the rest of you aren't even trying. Half a cookie. Half a cookie goes to Catherine Ironwood. That was the Peppermint Twist by Joey D and the Starlighters. Joey D and the Starlighters. You got to try harder. Got to get in. Tonight in the kitchen, we're going to be talking about mint. Yes, I mean mint. There has been a lot of scoffing and scowling and coughing and grumbling about mint. It is often pointed out as being something that's not really hoodoo. Bullshit. It absolutely 100% is, and you can find it in your kitchen. Mint, including spearmint and peppermint, helps break jinxes, purifies people, and protects money. Here are a few examples. To repel enemies who trouble your home, job, or money, you can use mint. If someone has done evil to you without provocation, now pay attention to that, without provocation, mix mint with balm of Gilead, barberry, Solomon's seal root, and agrimony, and brew them into a tea for a cleansing bath or floor wash. To guard your money, add time to the mix. You can also use mint to uncross yourself or to break a curse. And let me tell you, kids, I've done it. For protection from crossed conditions, carry mint in your shoe. For strength to break and conjure a curse, keep it in a mojo bag with calamus and hide John the Conqueror. It works. And finally, you can use mint for psychic abilities, and to keep off unwanted spirits. To enhance visions, bleed mint with frank, excuse me, blend mint with frankincense and burn on charcoal. It's a very pleasant odor. To rid your home of unwanted spirits, mix it with camphor and burn for nine nights. Please. When you are burning camphor, remember, camphor burns very, very hot. A lot of the things you may be burning things in and on, you may be surprised, may crack if you burn camphor. It's an extremely hot fire, hot flame. You will want to burn camphor on something metallic. And, again, to get rid of of unwanted spirits in your home, you're going to add a little mint with it. I want to take a quick moment here. I don't have much time left, but I want to take a quick moment here to say something about mint. As I said at the top of the segment, there's a lot of poo-pooing about mint. There's a lot of scoffing. A lot of people use mint as their go-to proof that there's a tomfuckery going on in hoodoo. And I want to tell you the reason why. The reason why is because it's fucking mint. It's not, there's nothing about, it's not about location. It's not about, oh, here's this thing that doesn't grow in America. Okay. Oh, here's this thing that isn't available in the South. Oh, yeah, they never had mint in the South, right? Of course. That's why all these uh, Colonel Sanders-looking motherfuckers are wandering around drinking what? What? What are they drinking? K-1. 
calamus juleps? Is that it? No, wait. Let me think. Let me think for a minute. Oregano julep, the famous southern oregano julep. No, wait. No, it's not oregano julep. Wait, what is it? Somebody help me out. Someone help me out. What is it again? Mint. Mint juleps. That's what the hell it is. Thank you. It's everywhere. It 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 grows like a damn weed. I mean, it's mint. Okay? But people pick on it. They pick on it because it doesn't seem harsh. Because it seems too common. Because it seems too regular. Because it doesn't seem dark and spooky and weird to them. Because it's mint. Regular old mint. I've got to try to say something about that. There is an attitude that pops up in hoodoo. I'm sure it pops up other places, and that's for someone else to call out. If this attitude is popping up in Palo, my brother Candelo Cambisa will be there to call it out. And the attitude is this. Things need to be complex, hard to get, rarefied, and of some other. If someone says to you, I've got this great hoodoo work, okay, I've got this great hoodoo work. I mean, it, it's so traditional. It's so powerful. It's so authentic. What you do is first you get a lion's claw. Run backwards from that fucker. Just run backwards. A lion's claw? Yeah, they didn't say a mountain lion claw. They meant a lion's claw, an African lion's claw, okay? First of all, fuck you that you're killing lions to get lion's claws for your spells. I'm sorry, just kishimi yiddishatukas. I can't believe that. Like, we, like, we've got so many goddamn lions, we can kill lions for lion's claws, right? Oh, they're just everywhere. Like, you know, they're like, Roaches. Every time I go into the kitchen at night, oh, oh, I got to run around with a broom. Out, out, you damn lion. Out, out. We got lion spray, lion be gone. No, no. There are, you know, a tremendous amount of lions, so could we stop killing them for their claws, okay? In fact, could we just stop killing them? But specifically, could we stop killing them for their claws, their manes, their eyes, their teeth, their whatever, Okay. So that's the that's the first. That's the that's the first problem. Okay? Right there. Second problem is I am unsure how many African lions there were in Waycross, Georgia, or Tupelo, Mississippi. Or outside of the zoo or a carnival in New Orleans, Louisiana. Or in Jacksonville, Florida. Or in the Carolina Low Country, I just I don't know. I guess I'm a weirdo. I I, I just didn't weird, realize that there were tons of African lions there. And again, the person has not said to you a mountain lion claw, a puma claw, a bobcat claw. They said a lion, an African lion's claw, because see, they're hoodoo's oh so real, because it's exotic. See, because it's it's way back. It's 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 oh, it's real because it has a lion's claw in it. Because you don't want to mess around with nothing phony like mint. Think about this a minute. 
What's being said to you is that you want to do your hoodoo, not your palo, not your santeria, not your ifa, not your voodoo, not any of that. No, 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 your hoodoo. You want to do your hoodoo. You want to exclusively do your hoodoo with materials that people, African-American people, black people living in the South, had no fucking access to. That's the key right there, buddy. That's how you get real power. That's how you do real hoodoo is by not doing anything that the people who did hoodoo did. You know how you become a concert cellist? Never touch a cello. Play a kazoo. The real, the real cellists, they all, they all, they all play kazoos, man. I don't know a cellist who would lower themselves to actually touch a cello. It's bullshit. And this is the thing about mint. People put it down because it's in the kitchen, because it's in everything, because it's in toothpaste. It's everywhere. People sniggle and snort about Vicks VapoRub instead of going out and gathering the eucalyptus by hand and 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 only and buying the Chinese camphor uh, because it's Vicks. Doesn't matter to them that it's got camphor and eucalyptus in it already. Oh no 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 no. Now everybody's grandmama and auntie and uncle knew better and used Vicks because uh, maybe they couldn't get all that and it was already ready. It was down there in the drugstore. Off you go and get it. But people sniggle and snort and laugh at it. People sniggle and snort and laugh at red pepper. It's just red pepper. You got to use the big red peppers. You got to use those those South American red peppers that have been dried and breathed on. By the shamans down there, they take the, they take they drink the juice of the singing vine, and their minds expand as the sun rises above the great Mayan temples, and then they breathe on the peppers. And those are the peppers you want to use. You don't want to actually just go to the grocery store and buy red pepper. You don't want to use a regular old candle, just any old candle, like a, an emergency candle. Like, you know, you got in a drawer, you got a white emergency candle. Oh, no, 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 no. You can't use a white emergency candle. You have to use a pure beeswax candle. And the bees have to be kept by a bee whisperer who talks to the bees every day. And he intones Enochians. All these bees know Enochians. They all know Enochians. Everyone, in fact, they, they form Enochian letters. These little bees crawl around and form Little letters to spell out Enochian words because they're 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 actually in B harmony with the spirit of John D. And and then we take the wax and we make the candles and that's the candles you want. It's twenty five pounds of hogwash in a five pound bag. Yes, I upped that number. It's just not what hoodoo's about to young, upcoming workers on a regular basis. And some of them are afraid, afraid to follow their instinct and do, quote, simple work. They question their own work. They come to me and they say, Professor, I'm not sure this work's any good. And I go, well, tell me about it. Show it to me. And I look at it and I go, that's goddamn great work. That's, 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 that's good authentic, real hoodoo. And they go, yeah, but it's not very complex. And I go, it doesn't have to be. And they go, but it, it's so simple. 
It's so simple. I mean, I got all that stuff out of my kitchen. And I have to set them down and say, look, you've lost your way someplace. You're listening to some other voice, and you're being fooled. Let me school you so nobody can fool you. The people who did hoodoo originally, okay, I mean where hoodoo came from, they didn't have access to all this crazy fancy stuff. They had what was in their kitchen, they had what was at the grocery store, and they had what was at the drugstore and what was growing out in the fields and growing out in the woods. So don't be afraid to do work with these common items. They are potent. Our information comes to us for the In the Kitchen section each and every week from Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African American Conjure by Miss Catherine Ironwood, as well as our own knowledge, and we thank her for its use and inclusion each and every week. I'd love to stay and talk more. I could talk about this for another two hours, but I think I smell upside down. Yep, I smell upside down chicken pot pie scent wafting in from the green room. God bless Miss Loretta. This is it. This is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And go to Texas Channel and don't back to Fool West. Come on down to Dallas, King Kong Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City and Kansas City, St. Louis and St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way, but I'm doing well.
Network. Bless their heart.